Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I'm joined by my co-host, Blake Murphy. And we are joined on the line by NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, who really needs no introduction. Adam, uh, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Good to see you guys. Yeah, good to see you as well. Um, we didn't plan to ask you this originally, but obviously this is very topical. Draymond Green got suspended uh, the it was five games by the league. Um, can you take us through the league's decision-making process uh, with reaching that ultimate verdict? Yeah, I'll just do it in short because Joe Dumars oversees discipline and he's he's spoken about it. Um, you know, it's obviously the conduct we saw in that instance from Draymond is unacceptable. He knows that. The team knows that. And we do take into, a pass, into account past conduct when we look at discipline. And that's how we arrived at five games. So that means Draymond's going to miss a, a handful of time here, including, I believe, some in-season tournament action as well. So we'll pivot there. Um, we are a little bit into the in-season tournament now. We haven't experienced it yet in Toronto. The, the Raptors have their first one on Friday. Um, what have the early returns looked like for you guys from uh, a ratings perspective, from a general response perspective? Yeah, sure. The, the early returns have been pretty positive. Um, from a rating standpoint, um, we were up over 100% actually off the weekend um, from pa- last year and the second uh, weekend, we were up um, over 50% from the prior year. So that's been really positive, and attendance has been up as well. But more, most importantly, the players are really into it, and the coaches and the teams have been very engaged and excited about it, and, and that's what's most important. I think that's what will ultimately translate into the most interest from the fans. We've certainly seen uh, some interesting courts, some interesting new jerseys. Um, what have you liked or disliked about those, and what does the league have planned in that regard for these neutral site semi and finals games down in Vegas? Well, so I'm a fan of the courts. Um, I'm enjoying all the banter about them. Clearly some may need a little bit of tweaking (laughs) next season, but the the notion was in having those different and colorful courts that with all the different programs on television and many games over the course of the season that when people were flipping channels, they would see those games and they would – realize instantly that something different was happening there. And frankly, even for the players, we thought the visual to make the visual imagery different, whether it's the, the courts or the uniforms, that they would get up for those games and that they would know there's something special. And from that standpoint, it's been effective, and it's our same plan for the, the neutral site games in Las Vegas. That's, the, that's our, in essence, our final four that we'll be using special in-season tournament courts as well. Right. And... So when you look back on this after the year one of this launch, um, what will constitute success for you uh, for the in-season tournament in year one and also long-term? Well, of, of course, ratings and attendance matter to us, but and the early indications are very positive there. But most importantly, I think it will be the engagement that we see from our teams. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, early indications are very positive, but and, and I've said before that it's going to take a while to establish a, a, a tradition that's lasting, and we're not expecting this to be the equivalent of winning the Larry O'Brien Trophy. But I think if coming out of this first season that the, there was a lot of excitement around winning this new NBA Cup, that the teams play hard and it's, and it's competitive, that, that's what we'll look to see. And, and, and those are, that's the most important indicator at the end of the day is how competitive the games will be. Yeah, well, I think that's a great sign right now of how competitive these games have been so far. Um, you are seeing players respond to it, which is, uh, I'm, I'm sure this is exactly what you guys have wanted to do. Uh, I want to shift over to expansion. Um, 
you know, you had mentioned Vancouver, Mexico City, and Montreal as possible expansion cities, uh, in addition, obviously, to many uh, U.S. cities as well. Um, from the Canadian side, obviously, we're really curious to see how the league views the viability of Vancouver and Montreal specifically. Well, what, what I think I said, I was talking about um, cities that have expressed interest in having an NBA franchise. There, there are no active expansion discussions going on at the league right now. And, and, and what I also said in that interview was that the Raptors have done a great job becoming Canada's team. Of course, we used to have a team in Vancouver, but once they left the market, I think the Raptors really stepped up. And it's tr amazing what's happened in terms of NBA basketball over the course of the existence of that franchise to the point now where outside of the United States, the, the largest number of players come from Canada. You know, I, th I think it's 26 right now, Canadian players in the NBA. So I think that's part of a, a great indicator of how much fan interest has, has grown and developed since the Raptors came to Canada. Having said that, and, and this is what I was referencing the other night, we have heard from other markets, including Vancouver and, and Montreal about their desire to have a team, I think at some point the league will turn back to expansion, but it's not an active discussion we're having right now. Can I ask you just about the nature of sort of those approaches from Vancouver and Montreal? Like, are their ownership situations sort of ready to go and, and, and making this push, or are there more sort of cursory conversations at this point? They're cursory largely because the league has told interested groups, whether in Vancouver or Montreal or any city for that matter, that we're not ready to engage okay. right now. So um, other than letters I've received, occasional calls, um, you know, public officials, you know, in various cities, um, we've studiously avoided taking that next step because we wanted to be fair to everyone involved. And at the point we're ready to address expansion, we want to have a, a fair and open process so that any anybody who is, in, in, is interested has the opportunity to apply and, and understands the rules of the road. Adam, at the risk of undercutting the Vancouver and Montreal cases that, that we would like to see here. Um, and this doesn't have to be expansion related. This can be about the viability of the market uh, for TV growth as well. But you guys recently had an NBA game in Mexico City. Uh, the Capitanes obviously play there in the G League. How has the NBA's step into the Mexico City uh, and larger Mexican market gone? That's gone extraordinarily well. Um, also, I mean, we've played more games in Mexico City uh, and in Mexico than any country outside of the United States and Canada. I think it was something like our 32nd um, game in, in Mexico. Um, that was a regular season game you're referencing from last week. I was there, uh, sold out arena, tremendous interest. You, you referenced also that we have a G League team down in Mexico City. One of the things I said when I was down there is that we're certainly not ready to bring an NBA team to Mexico City presently, but that our G League is growing. And I see an opportunity potentially to have more G League teams in Mexico and in Latin America, for that matter, to continue to create interest. And we also have an NBA Academy in Mexico City, recognizing that developing um, young players in Mexico, ultimately for the NBA and the WNBA, would have a huge impact on fan interest. But so far, um, you know, millions of fans down in Mexico and Latin America, and, and they love their basketball there as well. Speaks my language as a G League guy, uh, so that's that's good to hear. Um, Adam, this is a, a bit of a different uh, tone in this question, but uh, I know Charles Barkley brought it up with you recently and began this conversation about um, intimate partner violence or domestic violence at the national level, and that continues to be a story as Miles Bridges is set to return uh, for the Hornets 
on Friday. I know he did a media availability earlier today. Um, now, I know there are like legal components to this as well and process components, but how do you guys as a league try to manage the message that maybe Bridge is coming back while something else is still being investigated fully? Um, the message that that can send to, to other players, to fans, um, and, you know, the the lack of a consistent um, standard for penalties in these cases, I, I imagine has been a difficulty for you guys in the union, but, but how do you manage that, especially at a time where Bridges is coming back here? Sure. A few things, uh, you know, from my standpoint, I believe we have been consistent in that we're applying the same principles to every case. I mean, no fat fact pattern is exactly alike. And I think that everybody's entitled to due process and a, and a fair system, regardless of whether they're in a union or not. In this case, these players are represented by a strong union, and that's a collectively bargained process. But unless you're intimately into the facts of each case, um, I, you have to understand that the result is based on, you know, going an investigation and a very deep understanding, at least the best we're in a position to, to do so, to understand exactly what happened. And in terms of New allegations, just put yourself in that player's shoes or anybody who, in which there's an allegation. I think everybody's entitled to due process and, um, and everybody's entitled to a fair hearing. So to the extent there's other things that we're looking at, we, that, that's an independent investigation. And until there are findings there, it would be unfair to punish um, a player or anyone under those circumstances. It's a, you know, we believe in the rule of law in this league and we believe in, in due process. Does the league feel in this case that there is... I mean, due process uh, is something that should be afforded to everybody for sure. Um, but I think part of that is also contrition. And part of that is sort of changes in behavior. In this case, is, uh, you know, do you, as the league, do they see that from instances like Miles Bridges, for example? Well, yes, um, in deciding on any appropriate discipline, um, contrition, you know, the player's reaction to the incidents, of course, is important. But once again, I, I don't want to prejudge any other allegations that have been made against him. That's why there are investigations. That's why there is a process in place. For sure, for sure. Um, on a different subject, um, I wanted to ask you, what is the league's stance on protests in and around NBA games? Because, you know, we've seen that uh, you have uh, the benefit of a really active and really engaged um, player base that's willing to share their platform and, and extend them towards different causes. How is the league sort of ensuring that players are supported when they choose to use their platforms to support the causes that they feel passionate about? One of the ways we can in ensure the leagues that the players are supported is to talk directly to them about it and for me to express support for players who use their platform to talk about issues that are important to them. And, and there's a long track record, you know, in a precedes certainly me as commissioner, in which players have used um, their voices to speak out important issues. We do talk to them about parameters for that type of speech or activity, more along the lines of being respectful, not content restrictions, but, well, I, I should say content restrictions if it came to hate speech, but that's generally not where we are. It's just time, place, and manner restrictions, you know, what should happen on the court, for example, as opposed to what a player may choose to do at a press conference or on social media. And I think we've worked really well with our players and the Players Association on finding those standards. Occasionally there are issues that, again, similar to the last question you asked me, these become very fact-specific. But I think we've worked through it in a very successful way, and I think that uh, NBA players have deservedly um, strong reputations for um, being important change-makers in society. Right. Okay. Um, 
listen, uh, we, we know your time is valuable, and we only have a few more minutes here, so we want to close with uh, some rapid-fire topics. Something lighter for... <laughs> Specifically, yeah. Well, listen, it, sure. it doesn't have to be light, but I think it's important yeah. in this case too. I mean, um, you're just going to pivot from you know protest the skims here a little bit, so I thought I should preface it that the tone is changing a little bit. We will be building comes, up to skims. Here comes an underwear question. All right, <laughs> no, not right away at least. Um, so we talked about the in-season tournament, and you've credited European soccer as some of the inspiration uh, behind the in-season tournament. Um, and obviously, we see the similarities uh, in a sense to Champions League. Do you have a European soccer club? Like, are you are you are you do you allow yourself to be a fan in a different league? Um, yeah, I do allow myself to be a fan in, in, of teams. Uh, I grew up as a Yankee fan in New York, for example. Okay. Um, in, in English soccer, um, the Cronky family are the majority owners of Arsenal. Of uh. course, they're the principal owners of the Denver Nuggets. So I've been to several Arsenal games over the years. And I'm a fan of that organization, you know, just the, the way that the traditions around that team. But, you know, I, I've, I've been to um, FC Barcelona games, Real Madrid games over the years. So I'm, I'm generally a fan of, of how those leagues are operated and how and, and the deep traditions and fandoms that those clubs have developed. All right. Put down the headline. Adam Silver <laughs> is a gooner. This is great. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about this, too, because it happens, I think, with uh, a lot of NBA players and even others around the, the league. But do you have a burner account? Do not obviously expose what that account is, but do you have a burner account? Just to keep track of, like, you know, what's being said generally across social media. So the, the only account that I post any content on is an Instagram account that anyone can look up. It's at Adam Silver NBA. Okay. It's a great plug. It's yeah. A great, it's a great it's also Silver. a great way to not oh, entirely answer the question because he just said that's the only one he posts from. So, He's you a know, lawyer, they, very clever, yeah. said, there's some legalese there. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the, the last one, Blake, I, you wanted to ask the Skins partnership, so please go no, ahead. That was, you, that was your no, note no. in there. Uh, I guess, um, you know, the reaction to that has obviously been uh, a, a little bit fun, but also there's a large uh, woman fan base and Skims is not necessarily just for women as well. Um, how, how fun has that been for, for you to put together? And do you, can we actually use the product? Like, is there a hookup here? So, so absolutely. So the place where the NBA got involved is, is Kim Kardashian created a new Skims line mm -hmm. for men. And it began with underwear, and they're, they're now moving into what I would have called pajamas, but I think <laughs> they call leisure wear. Mm. And it's been a big hit so far. It it's has. attracted enormous attention. Kim Kardashian's good at what she does. <laughs> and as I previously said, um, I can attest that it's, the product is excellent. All right, we gotta get some. Quite, we gotta get some up in review. Canada here. Yeah. Um, all right, Commissioner, <laughs> we we've taken up a lot of your time, so we appreciate you uh, being open and transparent uh, with what we had to ask you. And um, yeah, we'll hope to see you back in Toronto sometime. When was the last time you were in Toronto, by the way? Last time I was in Toronto was late last season. Oh, okay. I was up right. there for a game with uh, Larry Tannenbaum and Masai Ujiri. I went to the game with them. You got you got a great organization there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we'll see you in Vegas for the in-season tournament finals. We'll see how that goes starting Friday, too. There you go. I'll be there. All right. Thank you, Adam. Yep. Thanks, guys.